Are you looking for some great Christmas gifts for the little ones in your life this year? Consider My Pillow. Hey, you guys, right now they have the children's Bible story pillowcase along with the Go Anywhere My Pillow 50% off right now for the listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast. This unique children's pillowcase combines beautiful Bible story pictures on the front and the read aloud story on the back so that you can enjoy reading to your little ones over and over again. Choose from your favorite or collect them all. The creation story, Daniel and the lion's den, Jonah and the whale, Noah's Ark, and the story of Jesus. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square. Don't forget to use the promo code Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, and enjoy up to 50% off the children's Bible story pillowcase. Hey, everyone. This is Heidi St. John. You guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are inching our way up to Christmas. I hope you guys are having a wonderful season with your family and just getting the most out of this most wonderful time of the year. And uh, I am thrilled today to have one of my favorite people on the show. Dr. Roger Smith is going to join me today, and we are going to talk about parenting with influence. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys. Well, you know that I am a huge fan of parents engaging with their children. And one of the things that we notice here at the Homeschool Resource Center and have been, uh, my husband and I have been actively involved in for many, many years, is just trying to remind parents that they are the primary influence in the lives of their children. This is why education is so important. This is why we believe so much in homeschooling and why we don't want to encourage parents to disengage from parenting And you guys are going to love my friend, Dr. Roger Smith. After 30 years of practicing medicine, he was honored as the 2021 Louisiana Rural Physician of the Year. And in 2022, he released his first book, Parenting with Influence, Shifting Your Parenting Style as You and Your Child Grow. He and his wife, my good friend, Jan, mentor young couples as they seek to have healthy relationships with one another. Dr. Smith brings together years of medical and psychosocial research years of working with youth in a variety of organizations as well as as his own ups and downs as a parent of four stubborn children. You guys are going to love him as much as I do. Hey, my friend, Dr. Roger, welcome to the show. It is my pleasure to be here. Well, you and I have been palling around uh, with our spouses now for several years. You down there in the beautiful state of Louisiana and me all the way up here in uh, southwest Washington state. We've had you in our home a couple of times, it's been a joy to get to know you and to see your heart, especially for uh, parents. And I have observed this over the years, and I'm thrilled. You you got your book written. Good job. I feel. I wish I had an applause button for you, my friend. Well, it's been a long journey, and uh, we we resisted in writing anything until we felt like we had gone through all the different stages. Uh, you know, it's easy to be an expert in the early stages, you know, and so, uh, and we declare the end from, from somewhere in the middle. And so, uh, uh, <laughs> the work, the work has been, uh, has been ongoing for many years, but we finally got it in print, uh, to where we felt like it was uh, a helpful resource. And, and hopefully it does give, you know, encouragement, comfort, guidance to parents, because that's really is our heart, is we just want to help people to be successful in their homes and to uh, feel like they are launching their children well and they are loving their children well and their home is a great place to be. And that's what that's what it's all about. 
I love that. So listeners here are often asking me questions about parenting and, uh, you know, they're anywhere from brand new parents to parents of young adults. And the, every stage is a little bit different. And you have written from a really unique perspective. So tell us a little bit about the background of the book. Well, um, I I was sitting, um, I was facing a uh, a crisis moment with my one of my children uh, when he was thirteen. In fact, it was to my third child. We thought we had done a great job with the first two, and uh, <laughs> and so they they proved to be some of the easier children. And you know, we all have some easy ones and we have some hard ones. And uh, the our hard our hard one taught us the most. And so uh, in that pivotal moment, I realized that uh, I had been trying to control a lot of things that uh, I needed to be giving that control to the child and equipping them to manage that control. And to uh, and our end result, our, you know, we, we would have said even then our end result, our end, end desire was for them to have self-control. And uh, that is a desirable trait, even in ourselves. We want to be under self-control. And uh, so, but we were, we were doing some things that really was uh, short-circuiting that transfer of control. And that really was, it helped us to, to understand some parenting principles that are built into this, this book and talking about the different stages. What does it look like? What can they handle? What can we handle at different stages of their development? And, and uh, so that that was the premise of the book is shifting your parenting style as both you and your child grow. And and we do have to adjust and we can't handle a, you know, a teenager like we do a toddler. So uh, sometimes we try to. And sometimes they have it coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and that's it. But, you know, it really I mean, you're right. And, you know, we, you and I have talked about this before, just the fact that every child is different. And so maybe yeah. what, you know, I have seven children, but what worked with my first child didn't work with my fourth child. And what right. worked with my fourth child didn't work with my number seven. We really have to be able to flow and flex right. and uh, move in the seasons of parenting. And yeah. in your book, after, uh, in the introduction, you talk about the fact that you hope to help parents avoid a lot of what is so common in parenting, which is conflict with teens. Yeah. So do you feel like the book was written for parents in the teen or the preteen period, or you look at the whole shebang? And, and you know, uh, th that's whenever the crisis comes is in the teen years, but really the work is building up to the teen years. And, you know, some, some people don't really get engaged in the, the uh, adjustment process until they're in the throes of the teen years. And so, yeah, there's still hope, but if you're in the early years, that's really when you can lay the foundation for a great teenage parent-child relationship. And so uh, it is so important to get started early. And and uh, I, it's, it's kind of like the old adage about planting a tree. You know, it says the best time to plant a tree is 25 years ago. The second best time <laughs> is today. You know, and in parenting, <laughs> the best time to learn about all these things whenever they're very young, the second best time to learn about how to respond to the changes is today. So uh, that's, uh, we just hope people will engage and begin to, you know, just get wiser as a parent and uh, it'll be mm -hmm. easier, the more wisdom we have and uh, understanding our children. So, you, you know, the one thing you mentioned, you had said with your seven children that each of them were different, but you know what, yeah. you were different with each one of them because you were growing. And so uh, yep. there were different things going on in your life and there were different understanding that you had. So uh, all of that, mm -hmm. you know, makes it different for every child. Yeah. And I think it's easy for parents. 
I know it certainly is for me, and I and I've talked to several of my mom friends over the years that mothers can be very easily guilted mm-hmm. by children who are like, you know, but how come you didn't do this with so and so, and you never, you know, so and so never got in trouble for that, or I can't remember who I was. Ta- oh, I was talking to Sailor the other day. We have a long-standing tradition in our home that the girls get their ears pierced when they turn thirteen. It's kind mm-hmm. of a rite of passage. I did this with Savannah. Well, apparently, Sierra. I'm, this is going to be hard for you to imagine. Sierra slipped under the radar somehow. So she tells Sailor the other day that I let her get a double piercing. Well, I don't remember doing that. I mean, not before she was 13, but when she was in high school. So my daughter Sydney is having this conversation with Sailor, and they corner me at the mall, and they're like, hey, Mom, Sierra told us that you let her get her double piercing before she graduated from high school. Can we do that? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. We're not. I said, if you want to do that after you turn 18, you got my blessing. I just won't pay for it. But it was so funny to look back and think, goodness, that was 28 years ago when C- when when uh, Sierra was born. I'm a different person yeah. than I am right now. And I think that's a good thing for us to acknowledge. We're all just moving. We're on a journey, every single one of us, parents and kids. Yeah. And some of the things that seem like huge battles in the early years of our parenting we realize those, so true. <laughs> those were not heels to die on. And so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, and you tell your kids, like, kids are like, how come so-and-so got in trouble for that? Because your mom was naive. That's why. <laughs> you know, if, if, if yeah. you want to go ahead and wear, you know, 16 different shades of uh, plaid to school today, I don't care. Wear whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. I am. I am over. A lot of us come into parenting, you know, having just experienced, like I came into it experiencing not a happy home. I didn't have good influences uh, in my life when I was a young, a young person, but you've, you've talked about this a bit. Who were some of the people uh, who influenced you in your parenting and your ideas that you brought to the table? You know, we're, we're all influenced by our family of origin, you know, good and bad, you know, even the best homes have something bad that we are bringing along as quote, baggage, you know. And so we're all influenced by that um, uh, family of origin. But along our journey uh, in our our parenting path, you know, we were really influenced even before we had children. Uh, We start seeing modeling from other individuals. There was a gentleman named Rodney Wood that influenced us in college, really helped us uh, in our spiritual pursuits and uh, understanding our relationship to other people in uh, uh, discipleship, you know that was his that was his passion was discipleship, uh, and uh, so but we we got to see it close and personal his management and his care of his mm. children and how he 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 looked to their future and so I learned a lot of things through him. Uh, uh, we we had pastors along the way that we loved their families and and they allowed us into their home. You know, and so getting to see people in their home, you get to see the real deal. And so uh, yeah. the good and the bad and the ugly. And, and uh, uh, so we, we saw good and bad parenting styles. And then, of course, the real influences are those that we read. You know, mm. one of my favorite um, authors that I've been reading his stuff off and on over the last, well, 30 or 40 years, uh, Dr. Ross Campbell, who's who's now deceased, but uh, he he had some very common sense, uh, practical uh, concepts that uh, I use to this day. And and a lot of his teachings are kind of embedded in the book. A little bit different terminology, but but uh, he 
he really influenced me. And there there are others, but those are some of the some of some of the ones along along the way. So I'd be I would love to hear who who influenced you because you have done a great job with your kids, both you and and Jay. You know, uh, I I think I would say probably I was influenced by a lot of people by the writings of Dr. Dobson. Yeah. Uh, early on in my in my parenting, and Jay and I were really blessed to have wonderful mentors in our lives, just people uh-huh. that would come into us and just sit at our kitchen table with us and just sort of witness the 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 good, the bad, and the ugly. I think it's like what you were saying. I think when you go to someone's home, yeah, you can really see uh, what their family is like. And one of those people in particular, they weren't any parenting gurus or anything, but they had five children at that point. I only had two and I was like, well, who in their right mind would have five children? I just could not understand, you know, why someone would do such a thing. And I remember her sitting in my uh, living room one day and just looking at all my, my stack of parenting books. And she said, uh, Heidi, I noticed that you got all kinds of parenting books here. And I was, you know, yes, I do. I'm going to, I'm going to kill it at this parenting thing. She said, I noticed that your Bible's missing. Mm. And I was just, it was just this sort of, you know, yeah. this like, ouch, she wasn't trying to hurt my feelings, but she was saying, and she did say, listen, if you read all these books, but you don't spend time yeah. in the Bible, it'll kind of be for nothing. And if right. you didn't have access to any of right. these books, the Bible would be enough. And, uh, that was a huge, a huge deal. But a lot of people, I mean, Roger, it's a pretty brave thing to write about parenting. I remember uh, talking to, uh, Dennis Rainey years ago when I was on his show and I said, you need to talk, you need to write a book about shepherding adult kids. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I would never do that. And I'm like, why wouldn't you do that? He said, because the evidence is still alive. Like, I'm not, I don't want to do that. But there's a lot of people out there, you know, talking about parenting, a lot of experts. And you have four adult children, and I've been honored yeah. to meet most of them. They're wonderful, yeah. uh, wonderful human beings. What did they think about your teaching and parenting? And uh, what did they, you know, because really people are going to start out. That's what they do to my kids. Boy, I'll tell you what, yep. what's it like to live in Heidi St. John's house? And I'm like, what you telling them? <laughs> so how's that going for you? You, you know, uh, uh, we have a very honest relationship with our children. And there there are things that they, they look at and say, you know, I, I would like for this to have gone differently. But by and large, they know that uh, we lived honestly and openly and um and the relationship is what trumps everything you know yes uh, yep. we yep we there were times where we kind of were kind of rules heavy and they would they could probably tell you about times where we were a little bit uptight as parents and we were you know trying to bear down and and uh but the times that they remember most are the times where we were really majoring on the relationship and enjoying one mm. another loving one another and cheering one another on and um they they were really excited uh to for me to actually get the the writing in print one uh <clears throat> they they wanted to kind of capsulize their childhood but also you know there are things that we assume that they know because they yes. lived it, but maybe they didn't know why we were doing certain things. Hmm. And, uh, so it's been good to hear their feedback on, uh, different aspects of the book. Uh, and, uh, all along the way I was asking them for, you know, what are some stories that you remember that help us to illustrate this point from, from our living together and journeying, uh, the growing up together. So, uh, and then occasionally you're like, yeah, not that story. Pick a different <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> pick, a, pick a different story. Uh, 
I introduced, obviously, you know, you're a, a physician uh, practicing yeah. medicine in Louisiana. And I, I always think it's fascinating to talk to uh, men and women who have, you know, been trained yeah. in uh, the yeah. practice of medicine, whether it's pediatrics or whatever it is. I yeah. used to work for uh, uh, East Portland Pediatrics for seven really? years. I worked there and had good conversations wow. with the, the physicians I worked with. How do you feel like it's kind of changed you, prepared you as you're, you know, kind of entering into this season where you really are transitioning into uh, coaching parents? Because really, yeah. if you're a pediatric doctor, you you're coaching yeah. parents a lot. Yeah. You know, the, the, the biggest thing that it really helped me in is that, you know, there's a range of normal and people yeah. lose sight of that is that they feel like if they haven't potty trained it, you know, at a certain time mark that they're all frantic about things. And so the training really helps me to, to really understand that there's a range of normal of a lot of different things. You know, there's so, social uh, development, their physical development, all kinds of things. So uh, I, I think in many ways, the medical training really helped me to, to not panic so much and really to observe what was going on. And so hopefully in the writing you know the way the, the the way the reason I wrote it in stages is so that people can see that there is a transition in the children, and they go, "Oh yeah, my child is right here," and this is the things that they're thinking about. These are the things that they are growing and developing in, and and those things do make a, a make a difference in how we should handle situations and and how we can coach and encourage them along. And so, the, all that medical training of child development uh, really really helped guide. Uh, the understanding of parenting. Mm, it's that's uh, that's an amazing thing that a gift really that you're able to to bring to the table. I wrote, as you know, years ago, I wrote a book called Becoming Mom Strong, and in the beginning of it, I said I feel like this generation of parents is being faced with things, mm -hmm. grappling with things that previous generations didn't even see coming. Like we didn't know when cell phones came out that they, that they could be addicting or right. when social media, when we all got on Facebook, that maybe that wasn't a great idea for our 11 year old because you had to be on it for 10 or 12 right. years to figure it out. Right? right. So how do you uh, approach the issues that are challenging parents that are really stemming from modern technology? You know, I, I first will say it is a difficult time for children. Everything is intense. You know, um, the the whole issue of bullying used to, it, you could turn it off when you went home because it was a right. safe place. The bully was not there. But now, you know, with cell phones and social media and constant media barrage, you, know, you can't get away from the issues. They follow you even into your own bedroom. And so the issues, yeah. though they are the same issues, they're much more intense. And so our role as a parent it's, it's very, very important that we become the place of comfort and consolation and that they find us as a safe place to say, this is mm -hmm. what's going on. And that that kind of trust is a relationship that's not based in rules. You know, we can't we can't mm -hmm. fix that with another. You can't do this. You can't do that. Or here's the cutoff time or whatever the rule is. Uh, right. The more it's going to be more and more um, imperative that our relationship is such so strong that they come to us whenever uh, the issue has gotten too intense for them. And so the cell phone is is um, kind of pivotal to a lot of these issues. You know, the social media uh, uh, 
the continuous access. And so sometimes we rescue them from their own, their own world by saying, okay, we're going to cut it off, not as punishment, but as protection. So it's that mm. mindset, you know, of we're on the same team. We are the, you know, we're here to protect you and take care of you. And so that kind of relationship develops over time. And it's not going to, it's not, um, sometimes it may look like a rule, but it shouldn't feel harsh. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing that I, I would say to parents is we're dealing with all these technology issues. Um, um, a, a, a kind heart, but a constant heart. You know, so uh, uh, it's hard for them to turn it off because they're trying to see who's who's dogpiling on the last comment about them. And uh, sometimes we just like uh, I, I think that uh, your family has turned off social media comments uh, when you you were uh, being barraged with things and saying you just don't need to see that. And sometimes we may need to do the same thing for our children. And yeah. uh, so yeah. it, it may feel like a rule to them that you're taking it away, but it's really a protection. And uh, so um, the issues are much the same. They're just much more intense. And so I have a heart of compassion toward the children, but also the parents, because uh, sometimes it, uh, it, it, I think the emotions run higher these days. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I've observed, and I know that you have too, over the years, because you guys homeschooled your kids, we homeschooled ours, yeah. there there are sort of um, um, ebbs and flows that happen in the world of parenting, right? So yeah. let's say like in the in the early 90s, there was a, a pretty harsh parenting program out there that <laughs> a lot of parents followed. Yeah. And I yeah. think the fruit of that, yeah. uh, of course, you don't know it when you're, when you're, you know, because we're all just doing the best we can, That's right? right. This, the, you know, even when we make mistakes, <clears throat> they come from a good place, coming from That's a good right. heart. But I, you know, you, uh, like, like my husband and myself, I mean, we've got kids in our thirties now and they kind of grew up for a while. You can get sort of swept into this sort of legalistic rules-based approach to parenting, which the pendulum sort of over here, then we see it swing. People realize, oh my goodness, that wasn't, that's not producing good fruit. And so then we overcorrect, right? We're trying, trying so hard to not do that thing that we overcorrect and we go into the sort of passive parenting and I think what I'm hearing you saying is that the relationship and your heart to just love on these kids is what survives the pendulum swing. That's right. Right. It's just right. it's it's to uh, love your children and really foster that relationship. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You guys, my husband and I love, love, love the MyPillow mattress. We have had it now for over a year. And you also could get the best sleep ever with the MyPillow two-sided encased coil quilted mattress. You can get it delivered by UPS right to your door. It's easy to set up. Just unroll it and watch it come to life. The MyPillow mattress has a 10-year warranty, a six-month money-back guarantee, and free shipping. Use the promo code HEIDI to receive the best discount ever. Go to the radio listener specials page at MyPillow.com and enter the promo code HEIDI. I definitely think we, we've got to be careful not to swing the pendulum to 
uh, no control, no rules. I'm, I don't advocate that, but the, the types and the feel of it is more that the relationship rules over all of that. And, yeah, and, I love and that. that comes through as in the examples that we would use in each stage. And, and so, uh, I, I, I really encourage parents to try to give the children more, a little bit more control than they're really ready for early on. Mm. So you're training them to manage control, but it's, it's not with, haphazardness it's an intentional transfer of control and so um uh, it is one of those things where if if we're struggling for control we're holding on to it too long mm. you know that should tell us that we've not prepared them for that stage yet and so it is incumbent upon us to kind of get caught up and say okay let's prepare you for what you're ready for you know, what you're able to handle right now and so um handing off control uh, before they ask for it or before they demand it. You know, if we hold on yeah. too long, they're going to demand control. So, And then it's even harder to let go because oh. then you feel like, well, why are they fighting me so hard That's for control? Right. Now That's they're fighting me. Now I'm worried. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then we feel like we've got to win. You know, at that point, right. we're, we're entrenched. We've got to win this battle. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's true. And I'm, I love to write down the things that you say, cause you're a little bit of a sage when it comes to your little quips <laughs> that you say, you know, uh, I love that you said that there's a range of normal and that, uh, parenting is so intense right now because of largely because of social media, because yeah. of our kids access to phones and all those right. things. But what I love about you and I know, uh, listeners are going to love about this book is that you really approach parenting with a gentleness yeah. and uh, it and a desire to remind parents, listen, long after you're done correcting your child, long after you close the last page of that math book and you're done teaching division for the 7,000th time, by the grace of God, you're going to have relationships with your adult children. Right. They're going to take you through the rest of your life. And that's what you're building a foundation for. That's right. And uh, as, as Jan says, says you are raising your your grandchildren's parents. And so That's right. <laughs> so yes. it is incumbent yes. upon us to uh, uh uh to model for them well and to be kind to them. We we, we want to see the grandchildren. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it's 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 so it, it, and it's it's a big deal. I mean, it really is. Yeah, uh, it is. because you have uh you get one shot. I'm always telling parents, you get one shot at this thing. Yeah. We get one shot at parenting our kids, you know, focus on those relationships. It's yeah. so important. You end the book uh with a chapter on inspiration yeah. uh, of your children. So tell me about why you'd wrap up <laughs> the book like that. You know, there there are so many uh, uh practical how-tos that people focus on, you know, trying to get from one stage to the next and you know, it it almost can become robotic and we're trying to fix things. But it, the the big picture uh, is that even whenever they have all the tools, the world is kind of staged to highlight your failures. And mm. fear of failure can really paralyze you. And what our children need from us is that they need to know that we believe in them, that we know that they are equipped and they are designed perfectly for the thing, the path that, that they're on. And uh, that... So we can launch them with kind words, with dreams, with um, uh, just uh, sometimes quietness. You know, we don't have to make a comment about every little thing. Sometimes that's what? inspirational. Come on. <laughs> so uh, 
So uh, I love telling one story about Emily in regard to inspiration. Uh, Emily was our second child, our only girl, and she had an opportunity uh, during her teenage years that she was going to be in uh, in an event where Miss America was there and was the the speaker. And I I said, uh, Emily, would you like to meet Miss America? And of course, she... she, uh, was shocked that I would even ask that question, but uh, so <laughs> so of course, and so I said, okay, Emily, let's let's devise a plan for you to meet Miss America, and we did come up with a little plan of a gift to give her, and a, you know, uh, I said, you know, this person who's going to be her guide, and you need to talk to him. You know, we we came up with a plan. I said, you know, I wasn't going to be at the event; she was going to be there by herself, and so. Just giving her first the permission to dream of that. Secondly, yes. to help her think through what are some steps that I can go through to accomplish that dream. That was inspirational to her, and she was able to accomplish it. And she developed a relationship with this uh, pen pal relationship with this Miss America many years back. But, but nonetheless, it, that was an example of how we as parents can start dreaming with our child. And that process is inspirational. So it's not just having some clever words and, you know, you know, you can do it. You are the champ, you know. Uh, so it's not it's not magic words. It is that relationship that helps build their confidence and looks at their world and say, I would like to be there. And here's the first two or three steps. And mm-hmm. uh, so uh, that's that's the importance of inspiration is that we can give them all kinds of tools but sometimes they just need to know that it's okay to act like the person in the next stage, whatever that next stage is for them. And to them, you know, turning 13 is massive. It you know? is, right? <laughs> and they it's need so a, true. They need us to dream with them. And that is, mm-hmm. that is a, an important part of the, the parenting process that I think so many parents miss is that we we're trying to keep them in line, so to speak. And, Whereas I think we should be propelling them forward. And that's the inspiration message. Hmm. I love that. One of the things that I love so much about you and your wife, Jan, and I have been on the receiving end of this many times in our friendship, is that you are really good at asking questions. You guys are really good at kind of getting to the heart of the issue and, and really finding out what's going on underneath the surface and you've kind of brought that to your book too, right in the appendix, right? So there's a list of questions that will foster yeah. conversations with your kids. And you have said, this is kind of a big deal, right? Um, finding out where your kids are ask, asking questions, letting these questions be open-ended. Right. Why is it so important that we do this when we're talking with our kids, no matter what age they're at? You, our, our natural tendency is to ask them about the details of their lives in a almost a checkoff kind of way, who was there, you know, what, you know, what did they talk about, things like that. And those are very defined. Sometimes we ask them even yes and no answers. Uh, and when we do that, we, we short circuit the, the, the conversation and our relationships are built mm-hmm. on conversation. And that means the, the conversation is us telling our view of what happened, not what happened, but our view of what happened or our view of what was said, our feeling about how things came about. And so 
those kinds of things will only happen when we ask a question that doesn't have a set answer. And we define those as open-ended. And so uh, we don't have very good practice answering, at, um, being trained in open-ended questions. And so that's why I included that appendix so that people can say, okay, and for what kind of open-ended question do I ask uh, someone that's seven uh, versus mm. someone who is 17? And so I just gave some examples, and these aren't magic questions, but they're hopefully people can read the questions and go, oh, okay, I can ask that same thing about their dance experience, or I can ask that same question about uh, their encounter at a birthday party or something else, you know. So it is, is simply examples of how we can train ourselves as parents to foster a conversation that's open to where we can listen and not talk, you know, there's, Boy, you know, uh, that's hard for me. I'll tell you what, that was a zinger. Listen and don't talk. What do you mean? I mean, I talk for a living. It's very hard to listen, especially when you, when you, when you've already figured out what the problem is and you like in your head, you've diagnosed it and you want to jump to the end and go, here you go. But that what happens. Yeah. And I've, I've learned this really the hard way with my kids is they don't feel heard yeah. then. Yes. And, and I think oftentimes we lay out this, uh, you know, this solution for them. And we think we're helping when really they just need to be heard. And I love that you said relationships are built on conversations. It's so important. We've got just a couple of minutes left, but uh, you lay out characteristics of children and, uh, and the parent and parent child relationship at every stage of development in the book. And a lot of parents feel like they have made a mess early on in their parenting journey, that the patterns are already set, that the relationships already been established. What do you say to the listener who's thinking, I got to fix this. I, I, I screwed up. I'm worried. I'm, I'm worried. I've, uh, I've, I've parented the wrong way. The first message is this children, no matter how you feel about it, children want a good relationship with their parent. They want a good relationship with their parent. We have to believe that. Sometimes we believe the lie that we are at odds with one another. And so whenever we look back and we say we made a mess of it, it is not without hope. We can, mm. They want us to redeem the relationship. And so we can go back. And where we've made a mess, we just have, we have to own up to it and just say, yeah. I made a mess here. I thought yeah. I was doing right. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And I want us to have build a relationship going forward. And I know it's not going to happen overnight, but can we start? And so Mm -hmm. it's just an honest conversation. You know, the older they are, the more they can have that kind of conversation. But maybe maybe they're only, you know, 11 and, and you've made a mess of it early on. Um, maybe it's not as mature a conversation. You just say, hey, I've done some things that I see now are not a, a good way to handle our relationship. And I'm making some changes. And will you will you change with me? And, and just and you don't have to. Uh, the older they are, the more details they want. They want to know. Mm, do you do? So true. Can I really <laughs> trust you? You know, yeah. and they want to know, you know, what pain you felt in the relationship. And so, but even if you feel like you've made a mess, they want the relationship to be better. Children who grow into their adulthood and they have a terrible relationship with their parents, 
They want it to be redeemed. And we need to be brave enough to make some changes. And uh, there's hope. Uh, so you still well, have influence. I, and uh, so the, the parent has influence, and we just need to use it for good. And hopefully and we will find And by the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's, it's, a life, it's a lifelong, that influence is lifelong. It is. And, uh, and I think for, for moms and dads who are, whether you're at the beginning of this thing or you're near the end of it, I think what you said is right. Kids long to be in good relationship with their parents. Yeah. And parents, the, the, the onus is on the parent, right? Yeah. Especially when you're uh, raising your children is just to say, hey, I love you. Your kids need to know. That, that you love them. I remember my grandmother telling me a long time ago that if God had a refrigerator, my picture would be on it. <laughs> and it really helped me see this picture of God in my mind that wow. I probably would have missed had she not said that. And so I think sometimes we don't, you know, we don't necessarily realize the impact of our words, just the little things, the, the I love you's, the, the open-ended questions that, yeah. hey, would you like to go out for cinnamon rolls or whatever it is? And, uh, and it really, it really is a game changer. Roger Smith, you are a treasure. Where can people find your book? Uh, my website is a great place to, to get it. It is at rogersmithmd.com. That is the place. It's also found where books are sold, uh, uh, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and those other places. So, uh, but Roger Smith MD is a great place. And, uh, and there'll be a little bonus in it if you uh, get it from the website. So, uh all right. So it's better for people to go to Roger Smith, MD. And I'm just, I'm so excited, Roger, to just see how God moves you guys into this new season of your life, both you and your wife, Jan. And for those of you who didn't catch it before, the book is called Parenting with Influence, Shifting Your Parenting Style as You and Your Child Grow. My friend, Dr. Roger Smith, thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. If you guys want more information on Parenting with Influence, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com and scroll down to the show notes, and I will link back to all things related to this podcast today. I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for helping us grow this platform, for sharing it, for leaving five-star reviews, and for submitting your questions to me. And you can do that by going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and you feel uplifted. I know I do. And I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.